Hi, my name is Shekhar Iyer. I'm the CEO of Arcus. Uh, it's actually great to be on this podcast with uh, you, Sean. Uh, this is the second time around. First time I was at VMware. And my belief in 5G has not changed. Uh, I said 5G would transform the world uh, a couple of years back. Uh, it is, in fact, transforming the world. So I'm firmly of the belief that 5G is, in, in a very uh, radical way, shifting the world around us. For RCR Wireless News, this is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the weekly podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But before we get into the 5G discussion, we like to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Shaker, are you ready for those? Yes, absolutely. Question number one, which living person do you most admire? So I have to say over the last few years, I have now got a completely newfound appreciation for the scientists that have in fact transformed uh, us uh, during the age of COVID. Um, and so there are many people involved. I think a couple of the folks like Drew Wiseman and Catalin Carrico were uh, from my alma mater, UPenn, discovered the mRNA vaccine. Uh, and so collectively, I have, um, uh, I mean, a shout out and hats off to the people that worked tirelessly, I would say, over the past five years. And then, of course, several years prior to that in terms of inventions and discoveries that have led us to uh, to overcome this, what could have been a significant wipeout of the, of humanity, uh, and uh, and got us over that hurdle as about as quickly as we possibly could have imagined. So that that ends up being what I would nominate as my uh, heroes from current living world. And question number two: What do you most value in your friends? Most of all, I value a sense of um, authenticity and down-to-earthness um, and uh, a sense of selflessness, selflessness. And so most of the friends that I have are of that kind, and I, I cherish that and uh, probably work most closely with them, both uh, professionally as well as friends. And question number three, which historical figure do you most identify with? Um, I, many come to mind. I mean, I've talked in the past about people like um, uh, Newton, Einstein, Magellan. I'd say um, Linus Pauling is another favorite of mine. Uh, Pauling actually won two Nobel Prizes, one for chemistry, for like a lot of the chemical bonding stuff that uh, eventually went into identification of uh, the helical structure of um, DNA, RNA, etc., and then uh, also won the Nobel Peace Prize uh, for his stance in moderating kind of nuclear energy and using it for more peaceful purposes, etc. Uh, and uh, again, given all the current action around uh, or uh, interest around Oppenheimer, given the movie, uh, I think Pauling is one of my favorites. Well, it's great to have you back on the show, Shaker. As you mentioned, last time you were on was in your role with VMware, and now you're joining us as the CEO of Arcus. So for the folks in our audience who may not be familiar with the company, maybe just give us some background. Tell us who you are and what you're doing. Sure, yeah, Arcus is a company that is in the process of transforming the networking industry. Um, I think for most folks that uh, know VMware and what 
uh, transformation that has brought about, uh, the compute industry went through a series of uh, abstractions between uh, servers, then virtualization, and then cloud computing. And that has become really kind of mainstream now. Everybody talks about virtualized infrastructure. Everybody talks about servers. But the networking industry is still about, I'd say, two to maybe even three decades behind in terms of its ability to truly get transformational in that abstracted sense. And that is what Arcus is doing. That is our goal. Uh, and with our uh, technology and product called Arc OS, we're looking to bring one common fabric and abstraction across routing and switching for all use cases. So it's a very powerful concept and it's something that we're super excited about doing at Arcus. Quick follow-up there, Shaker. I feel like I'm seeing more and more sort of marketing literature and executive communication out of service providers that goes something like we need to reinvent from a telco to a, a tech co with a lot of references to the big cloud players. So you said that as it relates to this abstraction of of networking two to three decades behind, how did it get that bad? I think largely I would say networking has been a more conservative industry. Um, and it has also been one where uh, the standards of, for example, uptime and reliability have been extremely high, but people have not been willing to innovate and invent to try to get to alternative forms of similar uptime and availability. Now, if you look at the computing industry, there's been a lot of sort of scale out architectures that have come up in addition to scale up architectures, and that hasn't happened in the case of networking. Uh, alongside this, carriers have enjoyed a long sort of 100 year uh, stint of uh, profitable existence and cash generation, dividend payouts, et cetera, and have not had to worry about uh, things like um, revenue per subscriber, uh, except I would say in the last decade. And so when the two forces come into play, one where you are rigid uh, and uh, less innovative, and another where you are now getting uh, constrained and constricted because of the envelope of cash generation and profitability, then you're in some sort of sense a, in a um, between a rock and a hard place trying to figure things out. And that is really where carriers find themselves today. And uh, I'd say that the blame squarely lies on these two things. One, that they have been historically very profitable and two, that they have been uh, not open to innovation as much as they should have been. You know, I was looking at the Arcus website ahead of this recording, and one thing resonated with me was this uh, quote from Guta, boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. The last time you and I talked, you walked me through this mission of, of virtualizing the world, which is certainly a bold thing to to work towards. Maybe you can take us through the the genius part and the magic part of what you're doing in the networking space. Yeah. So uh, the great 
innovation and genius within what Arcus is doing is effectively coming up with a single operating environment that covers the depth of routing through particularly re recreating the BGP stack internally within the operating system, uh, as well as covering the gamut of use cases across routing switching as it applies to telco service providers as well as cloud providers and enterprises so that is not a simple task it's extremely complex and uh, there are many parallels to what we had done at vmware in terms of a similar abstraction that separated the application universe from the compute processors. In this case, we're doing that between the network function universe and the uh, network processors underneath. Uh, and then the magic is that once you have solved a problem as complex as I have just described, then it almost becomes push button simple to spread this goodness around the entire infrastructure landscape. Uh, so literally, customers can set up virtual networking across their on-premise cloud and telecom existence by effectively just sort of pushing a button and uh, seeing that spread around. Uh, and that is uh, extremely powerful. It's um, also super cost effective in terms of being able to do that with just the right amount of hardware or processors associated with it. And then today, now, of course, with all the trends like um, AI and 5G and uh, edge computing and multi-cloud networking coming in, uh, this is uh, uh, something that is coveted by customers uh, and and they're looking forward to getting into this mode of automated networking. So let's focus this into 5G a little bit more. You know, you made kind of a passing reference to it and it's something listeners of the show will be familiar with. And that's my increasing skepticism around that delta between the 5G that was promised and the the 5G that we have today, you know, I'm still kind of waiting for the innovation and for the the growth. But maybe you can give us a little bit of perspective on how you see the state of play today, and maybe what the optimistic outlook is for 5G as a vector for something really transformational. Yeah, so I think there is a little bit of kind of ice iceberg an analogy here, which is what do you see as the tip of the iceberg and what is happening underneath the water? So let me kind of start a bit with the underneath the water side of that, which is uh, infrastructure is getting transformed as we speak to be a lot more dynamic as well as cross-connected than people are aware of. Uh, specifically, if you look at 5G, 5G for most people is around better bandwidth, lower latency, kind of shorter hop connections, and better quality for audio phone calls, as well as perhaps a better ability to download videos, etc. That's what the more conventional perspective of 5G is. 
But in fact, what is happening is that you've now got between mobile wireless, fixed wireless technologies, et cetera, that are leveraging 5G and that are further than also starting to leverage adjacencies like what is happening in cloud and multi-cloud networking, as well as um, edge computing, uh, et cetera. It, it, it's building a fabric that is now exceedingly powerful to create and deploy a whole host of applications and network functions on top of this fabric that are going to be released over not just the immediate next six months or 12 months, but over a period of even several years. And remember that also 5G is in one sense extremely transformational, but in another sense, it's a stepping stone to uh, where we need to go. So it's not necessarily the ultimate destination, but it is a journey because there are obviously people talking about 6G. There are people talking about how you're now going to be able to just do things seamlessly between core and edge. So going back to your original question, I would say that most people are either enamored or disenchanted by what they see as the tip of the iceberg without realizing all of the foundational improvement that is happening underneath the covers. Uh, but being more of a technologist uh, myself, I am much more fascinated by what is happening at that foundational level. And I can attest to the fact that that foundation is now getting transformed to a point where it is the equivalent of what has happened in cloud computing for networking is now being brought to the communications industry. And so when you think about new applications and functions that are going to get deployed, in addition to the ones that you see a bit more ephemerally on top now, then you will see the full power of 5G unleashing itself uh, over the course of the next, I would say even five years to the next decade. This podcast is brought to you by NetScout. NetScout Visibility Without Borders helps carrier service providers achieve pervasive monitoring in real time with actionable insights from anywhere, any service, any technology, any cloud, with any application, in any infrastructure at every phase of the 5G lifecycle. That's pre-launch, launch, and operations. To learn more, visit www.netscout.com 5G. Now let's get back to the interview. Let's take your, your description of this strong flexible foundation i think we're starting to get to a point where multi-cloud is the architecture by design not necessarily by default that brings a lot of of benefits in terms of services that can be delivered and then we've got all these different edges coming up there's investment in how to orchestrate the whole thing so what do you see as the sort of green shoots for operators who need to start delivering and monetizing advanced 5G services that would draw in all of that that technology. And to append to that, how does Arcus help? Yeah, first and foremost, I would say operators now have perhaps one more shot at uh, establishing themselves in a firm way, either beside or perhaps even in front of 
hyperscalers and cloud providers. Uh, but it does take, I would say, a level of boldness and a level of investment for them to go and make that happen. Uh, the operators, I think, obviously realize that they are endowed with certain assets because of their legacy that are very valuable. I mean, these include uh, physical infrastructure. These include base stations. These include cell towers and uh, essentially the uh, fiber that they own, et cetera. So if you kind of take all that as a physical uh, grid, uh, almost sort of a layer two equivalent of the network, if you then go in and say that um, hyperscalers essentially won the uh, battle of the cloud in the uh, whatever, 2000 and uh, five to 2020 timeframe. Now with multi-cloud networking becoming more common, popular and required, I think operators can easily establish themselves as the providers of multi-cloud and multi-access um, as well as multi-dimensional networks. So whether you think about that as a mech-based architecture uh, or you think about it simply as a service delivered on top of the operator's network, uh, imagine a scenario where you are a small, medium, or large enterprise. You're looking for cloud connectivity as well as uh, a communications infrastructure that works seamlessly together, and you are not uh you're you you don't want to be beholden to a single large hyperscaler cloud provider this is a golden opportunity for at least some subset of oper uh, operators to come forward and say look we can actually provide that for you and come to our portal and we will then do the uh, both technical as well as commercial triaging of the packets uh across the network and then we'll give you the best service quality or the most desired service quality across our operator network as well as the clouds. And this technology exists today. And as an example, Arcus provides that technology today. And so all it is is a matter of the operators coming forward, adopting that, becoming such multi-cloud network providers, and then boldly offering those services to enterprises uh, while connecting with some of these clouds on the uh, back end. And so I believe that that is going to be transformative to some operators. And then once they do that, then they can, of course, add on a number of other functions, networks, applications, and services on top of that uh, as a marketplace. So, Shaker, when you look at the trajectory that you and your colleagues at Arcus are on, you know, what are you most excited about? And uh, other side of that, is there anything that you're concerned about that you know you need to stay in front of? Yeah, so on the excitement front, I think it is super exciting to be such a leader in the pack, uh, to be effectively the front runner in what has otherwise been the domain of very large incumbent players. I mean, people like Cisco, Juniper, Arista, Huawei, Nokia. These are the companies that people think about mostly when they look at uh, networking. Uh, 
Uh, and now increasingly we are seeing a number of uh, Fortune 100 companies, uh, Global 2000 companies, leading service providers as well as clouds starting to engage with us, starting to contract with us and starting to put us into their network uh, and uh, build confidence both in themselves in terms of how they can get to this new horizon in networks as well as work with us um, and uh, and build a an innovative new network platform. So that is absolutely um, fascinating and it just kind of keeps the juices flowing um, really, uh, I mean, all our employees are most excited about that aspect of what Arcus is doing much more than anything else. Uh, and then from the standpoint of what gives me pause, I would say if I look back, I think, uh, as, as I was mentioning, I think networking is a more conservative discipline. Uh, I think, uh, generally speaking, there is still the sort of old IBM Analogy still applies where uh, if you bet on one of these incumbents, then uh, you, you, you won't get fired from your job. Uh, and so uh, I am starting to see the beginnings of, the, uh, of, uh, of people now take that leap forward and be more transformative in their network and take that, um, I'd say, leap of faith to believe in the future and to look at the uh, uh, the network looking a lot more dynamic, a lot more programmable, uh, and a lot more cost-effective, much like the cloud transformation has happened in computing. Uh, but at the same time, I think it does require work and it requires kind of crossing that chasm for this industry. Uh, and, uh, and we're right in the midst of that. Uh, and so, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I choose to look really only forward and, and make sure that we are, in fact, uh, getting that leap done successfully. Well, to quote Linus Pauling, the best way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas. There's a lot of ideas out there, and it sounds like Arcus is ready to help bring those to life. So, Shaker, I appreciate you joining me on the show again to answer that question. Will 5G change the world? Thank you, Sean. And absolutely, the answer is yes. And thank you for having me uh, for a second time on your podcast.